Welcome back to another episode of Stern Chats. Devna, who do we have joining us on the show today? I'm really excited for today's episode. We have an incredible Sterny, Susan Kornfeld. Susan has really excelled in the Stern community through Stern Women in Business and Stern Student Government. Outside of Stern, Susan is even more impressive. She's an entrepreneur and a social advocate, helping to co-found a group called Hear Me Out. Born with moderate to severe hearing loss in both ears, Susan has become an advocate for the hearing loss community most recently. We are so grateful to have Susan on the show today, and we can't wait to learn more about her and her story. This episode is brought to you by My Wellbeing. Feeling a bit off, not completely yourself, or just want to chat about your stressful day? Two of our very own NYU Silver and CERN students felt the same way. They tried to find good therapists on their own and felt overwhelmed by the process. So they started My Wellbeing to help you connect with the right therapist for you in New York City. No more sifting through directories, calling therapists and not receiving a call back, or going to an appointment and not feeling that particular spark. Fill out My Wellbeing's free five-minute questionnaire to get matched with your therapist within 24 hours. You don't have to go through this alone. Let My Wellbeing do the work for you. Not ready for day one of therapy, but interested in learning more about it? My Wellbeing offers curated content about self-care and therapy, all completely free. Visit mywellbeing.us or email alyssa at mywellbeing.us to get started. You can visit them anytime on social media at Find My Wellbeing. They look forward to meeting you soon. Special thanks to Bob Kerr, to Derek and Nasham in the booth, and to Daniel Tennyson. So, Devna, are you ready to get started? Yeah, I think we should get started. Okay, let's flip the switch and get going. Let's cue that music. University Stern Campus, this is Stern Chats, the podcast that tells the hidden stories between the lines of someone's resume. In the interest of serving the Stern community, building relationships, and unlocking important life lessons, we present these stories to a wider audience. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Stern Chats. I'm Andrew Slotnick. And I'm Devna Shukla. And we are extremely thrilled to have Susan Kornfeld here in the studio with us. Susan, thank you so much for coming in. Hey there, thanks for having me. I'm excited. So going back to what we normally do with new guests, in 20 seconds or less, tell us who you are and why you're such a great person. (laughs) I'll do my best. Thanks again for having me. My name is Susan Kornfeld. I am a second year MBA student here at NYU Stern. Prior to being here at Stern, I co-founded a music entertainment company where I served as the event marketing manager and produced concerts and tours at a consortium of venues in the New York area. We then started a sister company that handled public relations and creative consulting for companies in the music industry. It was a fantastic experience and I'll get into that more more in a little bit, but I knew it was time for a change and um, came to Stern. And I've decided to specialize in leadership and change management in order to pursue a career in HR. And I will be going to Bank of America just in a couple months for my full-time job. And then lastly, I've been doing an exciting project over the last few months. I've joined My Wellbeing, which is a startup that helps connect therapy seekers wow. with therapists in the New York City area. That was probably the best pitch I've heard in a really long time. You yeah. like- 
I know your stuff cold. <laughs> you were ready Gosh. for graduation because you know that pitch so well. Uh, My graduation. pitch is like 10 seconds, <laughs> stretching maybe to 13 if I add uh, my favorite color. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, obviously a lot going on in Susan's life. It's quite busy, but it's it's all good stuff, and it's it's been an extraordinary ride here at Stern. So I'm just so happy to be here today and, and chat with you guys. You're so entrepreneurial. Where does this like passion for starting new things or building your own business, where does that come from? It's a good question. Um, started from my father, actually, a huge inspiration for me. He spent many years in the corporate world in sales and advertising, specifically in the music industry. But about 15 years ago, he decided that he wanted to go off on his own and sort of get out of that corporate lifestyle. And he started a magazine called Intune Monthly. It's a textbook hybrid with a modern music publication for middle and high school students, essentially to bring more modern music education to that population. Population. He's been publishing it for the last 15 years. It's used by over 42,000 middle and high school teachers across the country. And after that, he started a couple of other businesses, one of which I co-founded with him. But he's always had this incredible passion and drive for doing what makes him happy. And it's something that I admired growing up and something that, you know, I wanted to get into myself. So I came to college in 2006 and I decided to major in entrepreneurship. And that's where it all started for me officially. So when it comes to music, what was it like in your household? Was there like music always playing? Was it a certain band or artist that was always playing in your home? Yeah, my dad always had something playing. He has a giant record collection, CDs that span our entire basement. We can't keep track of them. Um, (laughs) But for me, it was always interesting because... I didn't start listening to music until I was in high school because I have a severe hearing loss and it made it difficult for me to use the audio equipment that was around at the time. But music came to me later. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's absolutely fascinating. That's one of the topics we really want to learn more about from you. Dealing with this impairment throughout your entire life, yet still having a career within the music industry, more or less, transitioning, obviously, into finance post post-business school. But what was it like growing up, knowing that you had an impairment compared to other students, other friends? Were you Did you embrace it early on, or um, was it something that you were a little bit shy about? The best way to describe it is that it was, it was a tough experience for me growing up. I would say that I've only really come to terms with it in the past couple of years. I and mean, I'm at the point right now where I am loud and proud about it, and I'm just open. And, you know, everybody has their thing. You've got, you know, you've got something physical, emotional, something with your family, friends. I it, This doesn't compare, but I hated <laughs> when people would comment that I have red hair. Mm. And it wasn't something that I really embraced until, I don't know, maybe I was 20 or so. Right. When when I met my now wife, and she was like, no, this is why it's great. You're a dying species, is what I've been told. <laughs> but granted, it doesn't compare, but I understand how it's something that can probably you relate to more later in life. For sure. I mean, whatever it is that's your thing, you're inevitably self-conscious about it. And as often as someone can tell you it's not a problem or no one cares, you know, in, in the best way possible, but you know, no one's really paying attention to that thing that you've identified as your issue, it's always something that bothers you. So when I was about 18 months old, my mom noticed that I wasn't developing in the same way that my older brother was. Specifically, uh, she was reading me a story one day, and I just got off the couch and walked away. And she's like, hmm, that's, that's weird. So she took pots and pans and started banging them in my ears, and I had no reaction. Then she took me outside and started to, you know, point around to things. There was a plane flying overhead. I didn't even look. 
She's like, all right, something, something's going on. So she took me to the pediatrician who then sent us to the audiologist. And when I was 18 months old, they fitted me for my first pair of hearing aids to diagnose my bilateral sensorineural severe hearing loss, which I believe that I have from chickenpox that my mother had during the second trimester of her pregnancy. So, you know, to get back to your question, I've, I've grown up my entire life with hearing aids. I don't know any different. Um, and I think growing up, it was tough in that I was the only person in my school who had hearing aids. So my parents chose to send me to a mainstream public school. And because of that, I didn't have any other peers with a similar disability to me. And, you know, my parents always held me to the same standards as my brother. You know, they didn't say that I could do, you know, anything worse than him. So, you know, it it was tough. But like I said, I've come to really be comfortable with it in the past few years and sort of have that show that I am my own person and I am individual and unique. And I think we can all relate to that. We all want that thing that we can say makes us unique. And different, I chose to embrace it at this point, which is really comforting. How did having a hearing aid impact the activities that you were part of? Did you play sports? Obviously, you still really love music. How did it really impact? Because I've actually never noticed that you have any sort of hearing device at all. I always notice that you have really nice hair every time I see you. Oh, I think <laughs> And you. a great I, smile around I'm Stern. in the same boat when Sherry and Frank told us that we'd be interviewing <laughs> with Susan and, and, and gave us a little bit of background. I was completely surprised. I didn't know that. Yeah, I actually get that a lot. I had friends in college that I knew for four years and had no idea. Wow. Because I was so conscious of wearing my hair down. And it was my shield, you know? If I had my hair down, no one knew. And therefore, I was what I like to use, the term I like to use, normal. You know, I just wanted to be like everybody else. And I think there's sort of an unconscious bias that people have when they meet somebody, you know, with a physical disability or whatever it might be that, you know, they may not be judging them, but they sort of take a second to to look at them a little differently. And I didn't want that. So I played a couple sports growing up. I went to a summer camp when I was young and hearing aids are not waterproof. Oh, so really? whenever we went to the pool or we had swimming lessons in the lake or went water skiing, I always had to take them out. And when I take them out, I can't hear anything. Mm. So it was that was a little challenging. I never advanced my swimming level in the eight years of summer camp <laughs> I was there. But, yeah, there are little things. Like I have to take them out when I shower and when I sleep. There are all sorts of little things that I do to sort of accommodate my life. Have you, have you learned sign language at all? No, that's a great question. So I get that a lot. Since my parents chose to raise me oral, they did not integrate me with the deaf community and did not teach me sign language. That being said, when I went to college, we had a six-semester language requirement, and I chose to take ASL for three of those semesters. And it's funny, because I walked in the first day, and everyone looked at me and like, she's got this in the bag. Like, (laughs) she is going to blow us out of the water. And it could not have been less true. Um, So our professor was deaf. So the first thing he did when he walked into the classroom is he pointed to two chairs. One of them was blue, one was green, and he sort of made a hand motion with his two pointer fingers at each one of them. And that's how we learned our first sign language word, which was different. Hmm. And so it was it was a challenge. I did not do the best in that class, but it was it was interesting to learn and specifically about the deaf community. I don't relate to the deaf community, I relate to the hard of hearing community, but you know, it was great to learn about it. Well I wanna thank you for being so open and, and vulnerable about it. You have such a great attitude about this and I really appreciate the fact that Andrew and I can ask you questions, you know, about your experiences. In the classroom, are there any other techniques that you have to use or with your hearing aid you can just like hear and everything's good? 
Yeah, so there's a couple things that I do. Growing up, I had an FM system. It's a microphone that the teacher wore around their neck and it wirelessly transmitted the sound into my hearing aids. So I was able to sort of amplify their their voice, but drown out the background noise of other students in the class. So it was a double, double-edged sword because when a student raised their hand to say something, I couldn't really hear them. So participating in class was always very difficult for me, but it was funny because kids in my class sort of thought it was fun to bring the microphone from class to class for me. And they all (laughs) thought it was really cool. So I was very lucky in that regard. But here at Stern, I do two things. Um, I have a note taker in every class. Um, Because I rely on lip reading, I have to look at the professor the entire class. And when I'm looking down to take notes, I can miss something that they're saying. Mm. So the school is fantastic about providing me with that resource. Additionally, I have in some of my classes, somebody who comes in and types every word that the professor says, sort of like how you see in a courtroom. You have Um, a stenographer. Exactly. That's amazing. So I don't know how they do it. (laughs) It's a totally different keyboard. I'm so impressed. But um, yeah, there's an iPad that sits on my desk and I'm in real time listening to what my professor is saying. So it's it's, technology is incredible. (laughs) That's amazing. With regards to the technology of your hearing aids, has that technology dramatically increased over time to a point where you're hearing things that we might not hear? How? I mean, (laughs) I'm just saying, like, I imagine that whatever, in the 20-some odd years that you've been, you've had them, um, it's changed. It definitely has changed. There was a big turning point for me when I was 10 years old and that I switched from analog to digital hearing aids. I remember sitting in the audiologist's office with my parents and they put them on and I looked up and I was like, what? what's that noise? And my mom said, well, that's the ambulance going by outside. I was like, I've never heard that before. And it's... An ambulance sound is a high-frequency noise, which is what I have the most difficulty with. So anything in that sh, sh, th, and s sound level, I don't really hear very much of that. And anything in the higher frequency, like an ambulance or a, or a woman's voice or a baby's voice, those are especially difficult for me. So that was a big turning point for me. And then about two years ago, I got an upgraded version of my digital hearing aids now. And it's exciting. They can now connect to an app on my phone and I can control the volume. And, you know, there's something where I can pass the phone around and have the voices amplified in a group. Um, there's all sorts of things, but there's such a long way to go. You know, the hearing aids are still pretty clunky. I wear what's called a behind-the-ear system, so I have a mold in my ear canal, which connects to something behind my ear, and it's it's still pretty big. So again, I think there's a long way to go, but I'm I'm so fortunate to you know have what I have now. I'm so glad to hear that there are so many resources here at Stern to help you be the most effective student that you can be. Was it like outside of Stern? I'm thinking about like if you went to a club or a bar where it is so it's hard for me to hear anybody <laughs> or decipher what's going on. What are some other tips or tricks or things that you have to do to just sort of live your normal life outside of Stern? Yeah, in a restaurant, I'll always make sure that I sit in the center, not because I want all the attention, but (laughs) because it allows me to see everybody's faces. And that's super important. And my friends are so great about that. They always save the middle seat for me. Like the center of the table. The center of the table. Whether it's a round table or a long Mm. table. Exactly. And then when I'm at a bar or a concert, it's actually my favorite place to be because that means I can take out my hearing aids completely And because it is so loud, I can hear. Mm. So, for example, if I'm in a bar and I take them out, I can't hear the music, 
but I can hear the person directly in front of me because they're screaming in the bar <laughs> because it is so loud. So those environments are actually a little bit easier for me um, versus a restaurant that's moderately loud. That's great to hear because my follow-up question was going to be, how does one pick up Susan Kornfeld in a bar? But it sounds like you've got that all figured out. I have, you know, sort of figured that one out. <laughs> Where does this positivity come from? I'm, I'm just watching you the whole time you're talking to us. You're smiling. Your energy is infectious in our Stern Chat studio today. You're just so positive about what makes you so unique. What sort of keeps you so, you know, sort of self-motivated and inspired yourself? Oh, that's really kind of you to say. Just to point out, I did meet you at an Astern event last year when you were a prospective student. At a bar. At a bar. <laughs> I guess that's where there I meet go. everybody. <laughs> I mean, I remember such a wonderful, warm conversation with you. So same can be said for you. Thank but you. Um, no, it's it's something that's developed over time. I've learned that being confident about the set of cards that you've been dealt is really key. And there's nothing I can do about my situation. So I'm going to be as positive about it as possible. I, I don't think it's it's too much more than that. But I think that people pick up on confidence and positivity when you display that. And that's something that's, that's important to me. And that's kind of the vibe I want to give off. So we're like five episodes in. I'm five episodes in. This is your fourth <laughs> episode, Devna. Confidence, another theme. That yes. Mm-hmm has existed amongst all of our guests as being a really important vessel. So within the larger community of those who are hearing impaired, you help build a community organization called Hear Me Out. Can you talk a little bit about that and and the work you did with that? Sure. So Hear Me Out is a group of young professionals that is under the umbrella of the Center for Hearing and Communication, which is the place where I was diagnosed with my hearing loss at 18 months old. I took some time away from the organization sort of in my middle and high school years to see another audiologist, but came back in college and sort of really came full circle. But going back to what I said before, I didn't associate with any other people with hearing loss growing up. I didn't want to. I did so much to not be involved in that community that when I graduated college, I went to one volunteering event at the Center for Hearing, and I met this other girl, and we hit it off immediately. She's like, I've never been part of this community. I've always kind of wanted to, but I'm scared, but I don't know what that means. I was like, oh, same, same. I relate to you so much. She had also gone to a mainstream school, also went to a similar college, and you know, was another young professional in New York. So we ended up gathering about six board members, and we created this organization. And over the next few years, we held a number of fundraising and social events, both for people with hearing loss and without. And most of our attendees, I'd say about a third, were people with hearing loss and two-thirds were not. They were our friends who were coming to just learn more about what it's like and, you know, how they can accommodate our lives and, you know, see another side of us that we may not be super open about every day. Because my hearing loss is not something that I bring up in conversation. If it comes up, great. Um, But it's not the focal point of who I am. We're not doing any other events right now. We've gotten pretty busy with our lives and I'm here in business school, but I am still definitely part of the Center for Hearing and and try to participate in any of their events when I can. (laughs) I can only imagine how this group, though, can positively impact someone who's basically young and growing up with this, too, because, you know, middle school, elementary school, even high school can be really challenging for anybody, let alone for someone who has hearing loss and is sort of pointed out for being different in different ways. Yeah, it's got its own set of rules and and all of that. And I'm actually part of their mentoring program right now. So I work with young children who have hearing loss and 
just so interesting to watch them. They are so confident and just out there with what they've got going on, and I so admire it because that's not what I was like at their age. And the girls are wearing their hair up, and the boys are showing off their cochlear implants and their hearing devices, and I just, I love it. I love the community that they've built there. It's incredible. I feel as though as a society we're moving more towards that idea of acceptance, especially Mm -hmm. with folks with disabilities. So I can absolutely understand how that community amongst smaller children has changed over time. Do you consider hearing loss a disability, though? Uh, it's tough. I, I do. I don't love using that word, but I'm not too sensitive about that word. I mean, at the end of the day, it is a classified disability. And because I'm able to give it that label, I am able to get the accommodations that I legally need, whether it's at work or a special fire alarm that I need at home because... You know, when I sleep, I take out my hearing aids mm-hmm. and I can't hear anything. So God forbid the fire alarm goes off. I'm not going to hear it. What is the special fire alarm? So I have one that connects to my alarm clock. So my alarm clock is not a typical one. It's basically a small pod that goes in between my mattress and my box spring and it shakes my bed when my alarm goes off. So this alarm clock is connected to the special fire alarm, and if that were to go off, it would also shake my bed. So what do you do when you're staying in a hotel? I try to bring my alarm clock with me, but there have been many instances where I forget, <laughs> so I will try to use my phone. I've actually duct taped my phone to my hand. Oh, so it vibrates. <laughs> so that it vibrates. Um, I've overslept many things in my life. Let's just say that. <laughs> but talk about technology and innovation. There's so many things I think we take for granted. But it's so cool that someone has invented something that will shake your bed or help you or a special fire alarm. Like, we just don't even think about these things, I think, in our everyday lives. It's incredible. I and mean, when I was in college, I tried to create my own little device that would help people. Entrepreneurial in- spirit yes. coming oh, in. I just can't, <laughs> coming right I can't through. help it. <laughs> I created um, a device that would allow people in movie theaters, people with hearing loss in movie theaters, to receive closed captioning when they watch a movie. So whenever I watch TV or um, or a movie, I use closed captioning. I can't really watch without it. And the problem there is when you're in a movie theater, they don't have closed captioning because for many different reasons. But so I worked on creating glasses that would connect to a speech recognition software that would translate speech from the movie into real time and display it six inches in front of your face into the glasses so that you're seeing captions over the screen, but it's not bothering anyone else. Ultimately, this was 2008, so the technology just wasn't up to par at the time, and I never finished the project. But it it was an exciting thing to work on and sort of understand that world a little bit better. Got it. So sort of like a a heads-up display that you have in a car now. And it now exists. I think Sony makes one, and there's a couple of other companies that make it. And I'm just so happy it exists. Not to belabor the whole, you know, your whole experience with hearing loss, but if you were to basically close your eyes, what would you hear without being able to read someone's lips? Are they like incomplete sentences or what is the experience like for you? So FYI, I am closing my eyes right now. (laughs) For all the listeners out there. I don't know where I am anymore. (laughs) I, I can hear because we're in such a small contained environment and I can hear your voices, but if we weren't on these mics and maybe there was some other noise around, I probably wouldn't be able to hear you. Also, if you put your hand over your mouth and you start talking, Mm -hmm. I definitely can't hear what you're saying. Um, But one other thing I want to mention that you just made me think of is when I take my hearing aids out at night, it's, it's silent. And it is the most peaceful, most wonderful thing that I wish I could explain to you. And sure, this hearing loss has all sorts of 
negatives and this and that, but there are some wonderful things about it. And feeling that serenity is something that I, I just can't compare to anything else. And, you know, for a day, I would love you guys to be able to experience that. What I, what I would give <laughs> for silent sleep, I, I'm very jealous of that, to say the least, being able to, <laughs> being able to sleep with no sounds on the street. This morning, garbage truck comes, 3 a.m., alarms oh. going off to whenever he backs up or loads trash in. What's that like? Do you just hear everything? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You know, it's funny. When I go somewhere <laughs> where it's very quiet, like the suburbs or when I go visit my family, Family, I can't sleep because it's so quiet. Or on the other hand, I sleep for like 12 hours like in San Francisco because I'm like, oh my God, where are the trash cans and where are the people screaming? And That's so funny. One of the things you'll quickly learn <laughs> for all you prospective students out there listening, uh, if you come to NYU Stern and you stay within the five boroughs or Jersey City or Hoboken, you will hear anything ranging from go-karts outside of your <laughs> your apartment at night, people yelling, fighting, laughing, garbage trucks. So, Susan, that sounds like an amazing experience that interesting to experience just one night, to say the least. That, exactly. Um, yeah, it's funny. When I was looking for an apartment, you know, the first question they ask is, you know, are you okay with a street view? It's a little it's a little less expensive. It's going to be noisy. I'm like, sign me up. I really. <laughs> oh, you should have like, made a stink about it. You would have gotten it for your uh, This is why you are a business school guru. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so funny that in New York, there are such small windows to get that sort of quiet and serenity. Yeah. I argue the subway is probably the one place unless you get a mariachi band. Ooh. But like it just it's just it's so hard. It's so interesting to think about your experience here appreciating that silence but also navigating through a city where I feel like it runs on noise. Oh yeah. Runs there are times noise. I'll be sitting on the subway or even here in school and I just I need ten minutes of quiet time and I'll just click them off and there I am in my own little world. And as a kid, it came in handy, let me tell you. <laughs> That's amazing. Mom, Dad, I don't want to listen. Click. <laughs> yeah. You were actually also featured in a really powerful documentary called The Listening Project Documentary. Can you tell us about your involvement with that? Yeah. So um, the woman who diagnosed me when I was 18 months, her name is Dr. Jane Maydell. She teamed up with a producer about four years ago to put together a documentary about all the people that she diagnosed in the late 80s and early 90s and how the effect of hearing aid technology has changed their lives and helped them function day to day. So I was one of 15 people interviewed for this documentary, and it premiered just about a month ago at the American Cochlear Implant Association Conference, and it's going to be showing again at NYU Langone Hospital in two weeks. And then after that, we're hoping for um, some broader distribution. And yeah, the film is just, just talks about what it's like day to day. Um, and it's, it's also been an awesome experience meeting everybody in that documentary as That's well incredible. and hearing their stories because everyone's got a different story. So Susan Kornfeld potentially coming to a Netflix download near you. We can oh, only yes. hope, right? That makes that sounds amazing. That Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> Was there something that you learned from that documentary that you didn't know before? Do you find mm. like you're on this sort of lifelong journey about learning new things about, you know, the hearing loss community or even the way that you see um, yourself? I don't think it was so much about learning about myself, but rather hearing the stories of everyone else in the documentary and how similar they were. We all told the exact same story Wow! in different words, different cadence, in a different room. But it was the exact same message that, yeah, we have this situation, but this is how we make the very, very best of it. And I was so impressed with 
the people that are in the documentary. We had, there were four physicians. There was a guy working on TV production at YouTube, a surgeon. It was just incredible to to see all of these people face these challenges and come so far. I was more impressed with them than anything. <laughs> Absolutely. And what's been overall a really amazing thing is Susan's been really involved with a lot of different organizations and clubs here at Stern. Definitely. Um, so transitioning more into your experience at Stern and what you've really enjoyed. You're about three weeks away from wrapping up. No, don't say that. I know. Don't leave us. I know. <laughs> Favorite moment? Something that was like really, that's really going to stick with you for a while that you will use as a cheer piece when you go speak to prospective students going forward? Oh dear. Um, how do I pick? One thing that really stands out to me, and I, it relates to the story I've been telling today, I the first week of school I was here, we had a scavenger hunt. We were broken into six teams. Every team had a different color headband that they had to wear to denote their team. Um, I was on the green team, and the second I saw that headband, I knew that in order to get it on my head, my hair had to be up. And I want to make the point, so I had never worn my hair up in public until that moment, um, two years ago here at Stern. And so I went to the bathroom and I sort of fashioned my hair in this ponytail and like had it low on my head and had the headband around my forehead. And I just looked in the mirror and I was like, oh man, I look... I look pretty dumb right now, but, you know, this is what I have to do. So I walk out of the bathroom, and I run into Sherry Holt, who you may know. And Sherry looks Who's at Sherry? Me. Who's Sherry? <laughs> I don't know. Does she go here? Know. Yeah, I think she might. Um, <laughs> Sherry's heard, one of the— I heard something about some sort of, like, stern podcast that she <laughs> has to do, but Sherry's one of our incredible uh, co-founders of the Stern Chats podcast that you're listening to, and also a host as well. She's incredible. Um, one of my closest friends here at Stern. And so she saw me coming out of the bathroom, and I had actually confided in her the night before about my hearing loss, and she looked at me, and she just started laughing. <laughs> and she said, what are, you do- what are you doing? Why are you wearing your hair like that? And I, I explained to her what was going on, and she said, nope. She took my hair out of the ponytail. She made me put it up regularly. I put the headband on like a normal person would, and I walked into that room, and I have never felt so many eyes on me at once, but the reality is that nobody was looking at me. Nobody even noticed me walk in the room. Everybody is so focused on what they're doing, Mm -hmm. and it was really almost a a coming out moment for me, feeling comfortable in that environment, and sure enough, from then on out, you know, really my favorite memory here is just the people and the family, and, you know, I am graduating, but I'm taking a bunch of these people with me, and it's—I just love the people here so much. What advice do you have to prospective students or students who are going to start next year and in future years about taking advantage of the community and the family? It's so hard for me to articulate why I love this school so much and what people can do to basically, like, day one, start building that community. I can totally relate. I think the biggest challenge, I'm sure you can both relate when you come here, is just managing your schedule. You know, there's so many events. There's incredible speakers. There's so much going on. Like, what do you go to? How do you prioritize your time? And (laughs) what I did is I just went to everything. And, you know, I at least kept that up for the first semester. And I don't regret it for a second because I came into Stern thinking that I wanted to get into tech. And it was a speaker series that I went to my first few weeks with an executive coach that changed everything for me and made me realize that I wanted to get more into the leadership and change management space, which eventually leads to my internship and eventual job at Bank of America in HR. And so I would just, my advice would be just keep your eyes open, keep your eyes peeled, look for opportunities. You never know. Just because you think you want to do one thing doesn't mean there's not another opportunity for you out there. So just keep an open mind. Very sound advice. I would 
agree 100% with that. Just being able to roll with things, yeah. roll with the punches, but also roll with the good things that happen. Because mm-hmm. you have 402 other classmates, at least mm-hmm. in our class, they all have different experiences. They can help guide you, and you will find your your way in a place that you probably would have never expected. You know, you may think you know what you want, but there may be something else out there. So just keep your eyes open. We talk a lot about, you know, finance classes and even marketing classes here at Stern. What are some of your favorite either leadership and sort of change classes or professors that you've had um, in your time here? Yeah, my all-time favorite class um, I'm taking right now with Professor Dolly Chug. Oh, she's the um, best. You have to take this class, anybody who comes to Stern. Um, it's called Managerial Skills, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's how to be the best manager you can be. And she starts the course by administering the Myers-Briggs test, oh, which awesome. I'm sure a lot of us are familiar with. But ENFJ, I think, is my... Four letters. E-N-F-J. Yeah. I yeah. think E-N-T-J. E-N-T-J. There we go. There we go. Interesting. So Same you're person. Both, you're both J's. You're both planners. You're both very extroverted, like being in groups. Get your energy from other people. <laughs> Podcast. Makes sense. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a very widely used tool, but I think she uses a very unique perspective and sort of it provides the shape for the class and um, an interesting way to look at the class. So she's done all sorts of modules and activities and brought in speakers, and I feel like I've actually been able to form a toolkit that I can bring with me after graduation. And so highly recommend that class. It's a great one. Definitely. She's the best. She's awesome. I feel like there's a number of classes at Stern where you sit in them and you're like, this is going to be relevant for years to come. This is where my yeah. money is going and it's, there's a payoff. Um, it sounds like Dolly's class definitely ticks the box there. Definitely. Definitely, definitely. So somehow in your free time, you also are part of an organization or a group company called My Wellbeing. Can you tell us about what My, my Wellbeing is and how you got involved? My well-being is one of the most exciting things I've done here at Stern. Um, I connected to the founder, Alyssa Petersell. She's also a licensed master's social worker who went to the NYU Silver School for her social work degree and graduated last year. She reached out to Stern, to the Entrepreneurship Club, and asked if there was anybody who would be interested in helping her on this project. She started it last summer at the NYU eLab at the Summer Launchpad, and essentially the business connects people who are looking for therapy with a therapist based on their individual needs, such as their age, the therapist age, gender, what kind of therapy they practice, um, where they're located in the city. And it all started because as a social worker, she also wanted to find a therapist and had a really difficult time doing that. The process of finding a therapist is an incredibly frustrating, daunting process. And especially if you're in a time of need, having that confusion just makes you want to do it less. And so our platform is essentially a five-minute questionnaire online that's free to the client. And once you fill it out, you receive a therapist recommendation within 24 hours. Wow. And how do you source these different therapists? Or what are sort of the, the much you can share? How do you find you know, people to connect with? Yeah. I mean, it all started from Alyssa and her wide network of therapists, other master's students, um, and it's sort of built out from there. We've had tremendous interest on the therapist side, which is incredible. We are trying to build out our customer base now. In the past six to eight months, we've matched over 400 people with therapists in the New York City area. And 60% of people who we match end up going to their first appointment, which is 55% over industry average, and 90% of people go to their second appointment. So we've been really happy with the stats on that so far, and we're just 
hoping to grow our client base as much as possible over the, over the next few months. Since both of you are affiliated with NYU, did you use NYU students as more or less the first batch that you would market to, or was it broader throughout New York? Yeah, it's broad throughout New York, but being here at Stern, I have had the opportunity to make announcements in our newsletters and um, spread it across the community, and, and you know, I'm happy that anybody can take advantage of it. We're, we're really just trying to make this process easier. We want to take the guesswork out of finding a therapist, whether you know you're looking for one or you may be looking for one in a month or two, or you know somebody else who might be looking for one. Really, we're, we're open to everybody, and we just want to help as many people as we can. Yeah, it's incredibly important, I think, not only as business school students, but obviously professionals, people in New York in general, to take care of our mental health. It's an incredibly important part of, being, I think, being a full person um, and being the best version of yourself, too. Yeah, I think a lot of the stigma right now, which is what we're fighting, is that people think going to therapy means something's wrong with you or you're going through a traumatic episode, which that may be the case for some people. But for others, it's just another outlet to talk about you know, your stressful day relationship, something that you want to work on personally, somehow, some way you want to make yourself better. And I think that's the message that we're trying to get across right now, and that it's more of a preventative measure than anything. And I think people are starting to pick up on that, which is, which is exciting. I think it's just another tool within the mindfulness package that yes. we've been talking about over the past couple of episodes um, to help people feel better. Susan, more or less in, in some closing thoughts, so you're going to stay here in New York. You're going to be at Bank of America. What are next steps outside of your professional beginnings? Um, well, I'm still going to stay involved in my well-being. So my hope is that we have matched, you know, a couple thousand people by the end of this year. And um, we uh, raise some money next year and we can really take this across the country. That's our goal. I am hoping to continue my work with the Center for Hearing and the mentorship program and, you know, stay involved with Stern. You know, I'm going to be that alum that comes back to events. And, Please do. Oh, <laughs> but I just I love Stern so much. And, you know, without Stern, I wouldn't have the majority of the opportunities that I've talked about today. And Stern is, will always have the most special place in my heart. And it's just an outstanding institution. We're going to see Susan sneaking back on campus for lunch with a name tag on, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Can I, will you flip me your ID so yeah, I can get exactly. it out of front? Our IDs, our IDs like extend way past our graduation date. They do. They do. Another plug. Discounts. And discounts. Those are the best. Everywhere around here has discounts. Free museum visits. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you so much, Susan, for joining us. It was such a pleasure to get to know you better. And I think I can speak for Andrew, myself, and all of our listeners that we're just so inspired by your tenacity and your positivity and your ability to make a community anywhere you go. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. You both are incredible hosts. I mean, it's been an extraordinary past hour with you. And I look forward to hearing all the other interviews that you guys do together. And I just wanted to give another shout out to Sherry Holt and Frank Baricchio for this entire business that they've built here at Stern um, with Stern Chats. I remember they started in a small conference room um, at the beginning of our first year, and we're now in a very professional studio looking around at some lights here, um, and and I'm very impressed. So thank you again to everybody involved with Stern Chats. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.